Hey, everybody. Welcome to Offbeat Wall Street. I'm Frank Miller. Now, every week we endure a, a brutal punishment for the sake of family and civic pride. <laughs> then we patch up our wounds and happily train for the next beating. Yes, all that in an effort to bring you the best information about Wall Street and the financial markets. Now, this week we've got the big fight on our minds. Now, you might think Mayweather versus McGregor. Uh-uh. We've got job growth versus the Fed. Much more exciting. This week, we're going to get the government's monthly report about the labor market. Now, the jobs data has been pretty good lately. We've had a string of months with strong payroll gains. So we'll take a deep dive into the recent data, and we'll let you know just what's going on below the surface and how that stacks up historically. We'll also take a look at how the jobs data could impact the Federal Reserve's thinking. You might remember earlier this year that it looked like the rate hike train was well out of the station and picking up steam. Well, in recent weeks, there's been, well, a bit of a growing sense that the Fed needs to scale back a bit. There's even been whispers that the next move should be a rate cut. Wow. We'll take a look at where we stand on monetary policy and just what to look for in the next few weeks. We'll also touch on some of the other notable releases coming up. We've got a few reports due out about the consumer. There's data about spending and income. Also, the results of a couple of surveys of consumer attitudes. Meanwhile, updated data about economic growth is set to come out. The initial estimates showed a pickup in activity for the second quarter, and we'll find out whether this week's data will stick or if it was a mirage. There's a lull in corporate announcements as we move into the tail end of the quarter, but a few notable names are still on the earnings announcement list. This week is expected to be highlighted by Best Buy. We'll give you some details on just what to expect from the electronics retailer, and we'll also let you know what else to look forward to this week. And as always, we brawl with some of Wall Street's more, well, obscure middleweights. We've got a review of the feud involving everyone's new cabinet, WAG, or is it WAG? Stay tuned to find out. We've got a lawsuit alleging premium bottled water is really just from a tap. We've got an electric microbus on the way. We've got a $2 million lottery scam that could lead to 25 years in jail for a software programmer. We've got a European country that might launch its own cryptocurrency. And we've got bad news on the gender pay gap. Yes, this is the uh, He Just Got Off the Couch episode of Offbeat Wall Street. Yeah, but this guy just came off the couch. He's been sitting on his ass. Could be an easy win for Mick. Joey Farrow, remember him? He knocked his ass out. Mick knocked out Joey Farrow. Exactly. A munging just got off the couch. Can't make weight. Might be a bit over, though. How over? Maybe 162, 165. 165? Mickey dropped weight. He's 146. Lou, we prepare for Mammy. All right? We prepare for Mammy. This guy just got off the couch. Mickey's in shape. Road work, everything else. Uh, this other guy he hasn't done... Don't forget, you don't fight. Nobody gets paid. Mick, uh... Joey Farrell knocked him out. It's gonna be a hell of a fight, huh? I'm not doing this. 165 is big. You knocked out Joey Farrell. So what? He's a middleweight. We just got off the couch. He's got 20 pounds on me, Dickie. Joey Farrell knocked him out. You knocked out Joey Farrell. You just said that. Yeah, right. Well, the big news is going to be the monthly jobs data this week. Investors are going to be looking at if the data will keep up recent strength. Now, last month, you may remember, saw another strong rise in payrolls. If not, we'll remind you. Government stats show that the economy added 209,000 jobs in July. Also, the job growth in June was revised higher. The latest stats showed a 231,000 increase for the month. That was up from the 222,000 that was initially reported. 
July's increase was well above the 183,000 jobs that economists were expecting. The advance marked the third time in the last four months that job growth has topped 200,000. In fact, the year so far has been a relatively good one for job gains. Payroll additions have been above the 200,000 level in five of the seven months so far this year. Earlier in the year, there was a bit of doubt as to whether job growth would be able to remain consistently strong. 2016 ended with a string of anemic reports. From October to December, the average monthly job growth figure was below 150,000, coming in at just 148,000 for the three-month stretch. This year started off a bit better with two relatively strong reports, but then March came in with a real stinker. Data eventually showed just 50,000 net additions for the month. This raised some red flags among economists, especially since the Federal Reserve was already committed to a policy of edging interest rates higher. Since then, though, the job numbers have been consistently strong. There was a reading of 145,000 in May, but otherwise every report since March has come in above 200,000. In fact, there have already been as many months with more than 200,000 job gains so far in 2017 as in all of 2016. The continued strong job growth in July led to a drop in the unemployment rate, That edged down to 4.3% from 4.4% in June. That modest decrease matching economists' estimates. And it also matched, by the way, the reading that was seen in May, which was itself the lowest reading since the year 2001. Now, we've noted before that part of the reason the unemployment rate is so low right now is that the labor market is near decades-long lows as a proportion of the population. The latest data shows the labor participation rate sat at 62.9%. That was slightly up from 62.8% in June, and it has reached as low as 62.7% this year. Now, that is within shouting distance of the decades-long low of 62.4% that was seen in the second half of 2015, and that figure was the lowest reading since 1977. The jobs numbers are important in and of themselves. I mean, after all, they ultimately represent a paycheck for, well, millions of people. But the figures are important for another reason as well. The jobs numbers are crucial for setting Federal Reserve policy. And after a hawkish turn earlier in the year, the Fed has turned a bit cautious recently. Expectations of another rate hike this year have, well, they've dulled in recent months. A hot jobs number could put a rate hike back on the table for this year. Right now, the chances are well below 50% for another rate hike by the end of the year. As of the end of last week, there was about a 42% chance of higher rates by the end of the Fed's December meeting. That was according to the CME's Fed Watch tool, and that uses trading in Fed futures to determine what markets are pricing in terms of Fed policy. The Fed's next meeting is set for September 20th. The markets are pricing in about a 99% chance that the Fed will leave rates unchanged at that meeting. Just earlier in the week, there were signs that some people were looking for the Fed to start rolling back some of its recent rate hikes. At one point, the markets were pricing in a 4% chance the Fed would actually cut rates by a quarter percentage point at the September meeting. That dissipated, though, by the end of the week. By the end of the week, there was just over a 1% chance of a rate hike at the end of the Fed's meeting. Still, there's a hint in the markets that a downturn in the economy or a shift in the geopolitical situation could force the Fed to reverse policy and begin cutting rates. There's no joke. Former world champ. Former champ? Yeah. I match up good with him, though. Yeah? Yeah. What does that mean? Well, I got light at it. You know, I have a reputation for brawling, but I'm not going to brawl with him. I'm going to try it out boxing. And there's a difference? Yeah, you know, brawling, you slug it out, I hit you, you hit me. Boxing's a chess game, you know? And I pick my punches to take him down. And go head body, head body. What is head body, head body? Well, I hit him in the head, and then his hand's got to go up to protect himself, so it opens up his body, and then when I hit him in the body, the hand goes back down, I go back up to the head, the hand goes back down. 
hit him in the body. You know, people don't know fighting think, you know, you can do a lot of damage hitting somebody in the head, but you actually do more hitting him in the body. So what do you think? Can I take you out? Okay, well, the jobs report isn't the only item on the docket for the next week. There's some additional info coming out about the consumer sector. The government's set to release some stats on personal income and spending. Now, last month's report showed that income edged down less than a tenth of a percent in June, while economists had expected the figure to climb. Meanwhile, June's spending was up a tenth of one percent, which matched expectations. We'll also get a couple reports about consumer attitudes this week. And I don't mean the ones that try to return stuff without a receipt and then they get mad at the person behind the counter. No, not that kind of attitude. Uh, the, the attitudes we're thinking of, uh, those will help you understand how shoppers feel about the economy and about their own financial situation and not about the receipt they lost. This is important because, well, about two-thirds of the economy is driven by consumer spending. <laughs> Go figure. One report will be issued by the conference board, and that's, of course, the organization that tracks a few economic indicators. Last time around, the index ticked up for July. The figure has shown a strong confidence level throughout this year so far. The index is just off a 17-year high, which was seen in March. Now, the second report on consumer attitudes will be issued by the University of Michigan. This number has also shown considerable strength recently. It rose in the mid-month reading that came out not long ago. The index is sitting at its highest level since January. Of course, August has been, well, somewhat unsettling on the uh, political front. There's been fire and fury tensions with North Korea, the violence in Charlottesville, and increasingly frequent reports of a feud between the president and the top lawmaker in the Senate. It's not clear yet how or even if these political forces will impact consumer attitudes. These surveys uh, could give a glimpse into this, though. This week we'll also see the release of a key report about the manufacturing sector. The Institute for the Supply Management, or the ISM, is slated to announce its monthly index of national manufacturing activity. We'll also get an updated look at just how the economy performed in the second quarter as the government releases its revised figures on GDP. Last month, the first look at second quarter GDP showed a 2.6% growth rate, and that followed a 1.2% showing in the first quarter. Some other more minor reports are due out as well. We'll get some info about pending home sales and construction spending. But turning away from the economy and politics, uh, we'll take a look at what's in store on the corporate side. Corporate reporting season is now well in the rear view. The pace of earnings releases has slowed to a crawl. Still, a few big-name companies will report results this week, and that includes Best Buy. Electronics retailers expected to report an improved quarterly profit compared to last year. Earnings growth is projected to be just above 10%. Analysts are also looking for growth in the company's top line. However, this is likely to be more modest. Experts predicted a revenue increase of under 2%, with the figure climbing to a level of about $8.7 billion. Some other companies set to report this week include H&R Block, Dollar General, Sienna, and Campbell Soup. Mm-mm, good. Hello? Alice, this is Charlene. Hi. I've heard a lot about you. Really? I've heard a lot about you, too. What's that supposed to mean? Same thing you meant. Can we just sit down and talk about business? Okay, each week we like to wander off the beaten path a little bit, wander into the weeds, and take a look at some money stories that aren't exactly Wall Street related. Time now for our quick hits. Well, a look back at recent uh, weird stories of finance wouldn't be complete without remembering that the Treasury Secretary's wife got in a social media war over travel expenses. In case you missed it, let's hit the rewind button. Louise Linton, who's the wife of Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, engaged in a fight on Instagram with a random mother of three from Portland, Oregon. 
Now, the issue started when Linton shared a picture of herself leaving a government jet and touted the designer clothing brand she was wearing. Instagram user Jenny Miller showed her displeasure on the photo by commenting on the post, saying, quote, glad we could pay for your little getaway, hashtag deplorable, unquote. Whew. Instead of ignoring the comment, though, Linton decided to escalate the matter, launching a long, sarcastic tirade that claimed, among other things, that her taxes paid more of the government travel expenses than her critic. She said, quote, Have you given more to the economy than me and my husband, either as an individual earner in taxes or in self-sacrifice to your country? Unquote. Well, a social media backlash ensued over the next few days, and Linton backed down and, of course, apologized. Okay, next up, the alleged scam sitting right in your own refrigerator. It appears a class action lawsuit has been filed against Nestle's marketing and sales of Poland Spring bottled water. The suit accuses the company of not meeting the federal definition of spring water and of being, quote, a colossal fraud perpetrated against American consumers, unquote. Oh boy, the lawsuit claims that people would not have paid a premium for Nestle's Poland Spring water had they known it didn't actually come from eight purported natural springs in Maine. They accuse Nestle of selling common bottled groundwater under the Poland Spring brand since 1993. Okay, from one tarnished brand to another. Well, trying to rebuild its reputation after recent emission scandals, Volkswagen is reaching back to its past. Though with a bit of a futuristic twist, the German auto giant announced that it will produce an electric version of its iconic microbus. Unfortunately, it's going to take a little time to get the vehicle in showrooms. The company said the microbus will start shipping in 2022. And a lot of hippies are very, very, very disappointed. Okay, last week a solo ticket nearly won the $759 million Powerball jackpot, but another former lottery winner had a much worse week. It appears that disgraced computer programmer Eddie Tipton faces 25 years in prison after admitting that he secretly installed software that allowed him to rig the lottery winning numbers. Hmm. Over the course of six years, Tipton rigged about seven lottery games across five states and profited over $2 million. Wow. Well, we reviewed the Federal Reserve earlier in the show, and now a look at a country that's taking a bit of a different approach to monetary policy. Let's turn our focus to Estonia, you know, the small country in northern Europe. They plan to issue their own virtual currency called Estcoins. The company plans to launch the cryptocurrency with the help of the founder of the electronic currency, Ethereum. Estcoins could be launched via an initial coin offering, or ICO. That's pretty clever. This is the digital coin community versions of crowdfunding, or you could think of it as kind of an uh, IPO. Yeah, The issuing of virtual currency could make Estonia the first country with an ICO. Estonia would also become the first country to offer an e-residency program. And finally, it's been a month of bad news for equality. Unfortunately, we've got some more. Women between the ages of 25 and 34 are losing the race in the U.S. when it comes to pay equality with men. That's according to the Federal Government's Bureau of Labor Statistics. The gender gap stumble comes even despite the rapid increase in participation of women in the labor force. Women in the age group of 25 to 34 made just under 89 cents on a man's dollar in 2016. That was down from a peak of 92 cents in 2011. The gender gap in median weekly earnings is now the widest in seven years. What are we doing in Richie Rich Lexington? You come to this theater a lot? Yeah, it's a good theater. They got good movies here. Yeah, like what? Belly Epic I think it's Bell Epic. It's Epic. Bell Epic. Bell Epoch. The New York Times loved it. Well, I never heard of it. Where do you hear about it? The New York Times? No, a guy, a guy from work. And the cinematography is supposed to be gorgeous. Oh, cool. 
Hey, thanks everybody. This has been Offbeat Wall Street. If you like the show, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher and subscribe. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. It does help other people discover it. Also, make sure to let all your friends know. Also, tell them to check out our very neat website at offbeatwallstreet.com. Follow us on Twitter at offbeatwallstreet, ST like you see on the street signs. And thanks to the big BS, Brian Stewart, for all of the fine script writing and co-production onto the podcast. And, of course, a special thanks to RTT News for providing the news and stats used on the show. For up-to-date info on the markets, check them out, rttnews.com. And, you know, as we say goodbye, we just want to tip our hats to all the entrepreneurs with big dreams. Go big or go home, right? All we ever wanted for you was to be world champion. Have a great week, everybody.